Hi, welcome back to Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. My name is Rene from Reply, and today we're going to talk about gaming and higher education. And for this, I'm honored to have a special expert guest today, Professor Dr. Johanna Pirker. Servus, Johanna. How are you today? Hello, hello, hello. Christi in Austrian. Um, thank you so much for the nice introduction and for having me here today. Awesome. Well, can you tell us a bit about yourself and your background as it relates to, you know, all things 3D, Metaverse, AR, VR, Game Dev, all mm -hmm. things you have it? Yes, yes. Um, so I'm a professor for media informatics and um, especially for games engineering. And I'm very interested in how we can use games and game-like environments or virtual worlds, especially outside of the tra traditional entertainment um, field. So I'm very interested, for instance, how we can use virtual worlds so people where we can meet others online um, for educational purpose, for instance. So already like many years ago, I focused on um, how we can teach physics, for instance, in worlds like World of Warcraft-ish. Uh, and um, these days, I'm also very interested in other forms, um, like especially virtuality, I find highly interesting, um, not only for education, but also for health, um, but also for digital twins. Um, but like in my free time, I'm still a gamer and I really like to explore the potential of video game and video game technologies. So not only the game engines for the development, but also, for instance, trying out platforms like Twitch um, for different purposes. Awesome. Well, and I see you have the proper setup there. We're both sharing sharing the nice kind of news anchor mic, right? Like the, the, the news. <laughs> is it the same one? Looks very very similar. Yeah. A little bit. I, you have a bigger one, I think. Like that, <laughs> well, that's good. That's good. Uh, we can hear you very well. But uh, very impressive, uh, uh, for sure. And uh, also very near and dear to my heart, we just said, like, you in the past, you used um, games or Warcraft, in this particular case, to teach physics. Because... You know, it's also that that's that's one thing I was always keep on. Uh, I always said in the past is like, you know, teaching math, physics, and other science makes so much sense to do it in three D, because hmm. like we live in the three D world. We will not. We don't live in flatland, right? We live in the three D environment around us, and teaching that in in these three D environments is pretty awesome. And we will dive into this a little bit, but very much impressive. Um, the, the first time I saw you was actually on a German TV channel for children, which is called Kika, for our German-speaking friends here that are listening in. And you, you did an amazing job, actually, because there was an episode, I think it was about gaming and, and virtual reality. And uh, basically, you had to explain to younger children, you know, what is virtual reality and what can you do? And I watched it with my kids and uh, we loved it. And uh, so I started following you on Twitter and, uh, you know, always appreciate all the work you're doing. And uh, but like I said, you're a, a professor, right, at um, at media for media and computer science at uh, LMU in Munich, but also uh, for games engineering at Technical University Graz. But you're also a streamer where you show game development. You have a podcast yourself, and also help to organize game dev days Graz. And I'm always wondering how can you actually manage all of that? Yeah, so so like. Those are all things which are really close to my heart and which I also eventually can connect a little bit. So this makes it so much easier, um, especially with those things. I always strive to have a little bit of a purpose. So uh, like I, I do want to something, have a contribution, do something good somewhat. And I think like the moment you see that um, your contribution is helping someone, it, it's so motivating. Um, so this, this certainly helps to try to shuffle it all. 
Yeah, I'm, I'm the same. It's like, you know, like you have the passion, right? And and you love what you're doing. And then, like you said, like if it, if it has an impact, right, then you just keep on doing it. Although you might just, you might just rather have free time, but anyhow, you just do it because you'll enjoy it, right? So it's, that's, that's fantastic. If you, if we are really fortunate, right, that we can do things we really enjoy and, yeah. uh, and even get paid for that. So even better. So that's, that's awesome. win-win. <laughs> yes. Um, I always ask one question to my guests. And so let's also start with the simple but complex question. What is the metaverse for you and where do you see the potential and opportunities? Mm -hmm. This is this is such a difficult question these days because the definition of the metaverse is still somewhat fussy and everyone comes with a different one. And like where the name is coming from, this is something which is quite interesting because this is like a little bit of a humoristic uh, book from, from the past or from some years ago, science fiction. Um, but in general, um, like I always try to focus a little bit these days on virtual worlds on the one hand, which are for me environments um, where we can talk to others um, mostly in the 3d space not but not necessarily but the focus is on multi-use environments where you meet with others as avatars and on the other hand with virtual virtual reality where you have those goggles um, which you which you take on and then all of a sudden you're in a different world and the metaverse um, would go many steps further um, but those those things, virtual reality and virtual worlds, we know quite well. Um, so this is nothing new. Like they're there for decades already, and we have so much experience how we can use it. And I think from there we can really advance and start exploring um, what what other technologies could help, what other hardware uh, devices could help to to um, take this even further, and especially also what interesting application cases do we see i mean we do know it's it's very good for education we do know that um, there is so much potential for uh, for training for instance in, in industry environments and um, i just want to push this further and further yeah i i love what you're saying there especially about education but so let's let's start actually with what you're doing there because uh, a lot of your work is focused around game development and education so can you please explain for audience why gaming is not just for children, but mm -hmm. also serious business in the end? And how can this actually also help for higher level education, right? And maybe you can also share some examples there. Mm -hmm. No, certainly. I mean, there, there are different uh, ways I can see gaming um, being very helpful for education. Um, and I want to give a few examples which are going very different roads. Um, so the first one would be, I, I certainly think that we can teach things uh, through games or through virtual experiences that we cannot or almost cannot teach at, um, through other ways. And one of them would be, for instance, empathy. Mm -hmm. So if you, um, if, you, if you experience a very difficult situation um so so games just as a side note games don't necessarily need to be always fun and super like uh they, they can also be serious they can also be like um, tackle serious topics um and if i uh experience a serious situation um through the uh eyes of someone else um, have a life of a, of a black person for one day or experience um, like the world th through, the, through the eyes of a woman, for instance, for one day and all of a sudden see how it feels like to be someone else. Maybe, maybe not such an easy day um, to live through eventually. Um, then I can 
learn something from myself um, and especially like things like empathy and I think um, there are really wonderful examples um, for that out there. There's a game which is called Path Out. Um, there's an Austrian development where a Syrian refugee actually was the game designer for a game where he wanted to tell his story. That he um, had a very difficult um, um, time back then um, coming from Syria to Austria and was not, not really welcomed here probably. And he is telling his story. And, and um, in the game, you're taking his part of the story. And all of a sudden, it's so much clearer if you have to make specific decisions. If you, if you, if everything is a difficult level expert, um, um, but it, it's yeah, your decisions to make all of a sudden, and you're not just watching like you would be in, um, on a television show, on a documentary, or reading a book. It's always everything is given. But in a video game, you have to make the choices. It's you um, who is um, experiencing all those things. That's, that's I find, super powerful um, in video games or game-like environments on the one hand. Um, another example I would like to give um, where I see games or also those game-like environments being super helpful. Again, in a virtual world um, where I can meet others, I can also learn with others, for instance. And most of the educational concepts that pedagogical concepts behind how we learn STEM. So engineering fields, math, or um, if I think always like this physics example, the best way I learn is um, physics is doing experiments and doing them with our others together, that we can talk, collaborate, do the assignment together and learn by talking, discussing, um, and, and having this hands-on experience. And this is something which I can very easily replicate in, in, a, in a game or in a 3D world. And this is something which I find super powerful there, um, that we can enable people collaborating like they used to in, in classroom, but in a very safe, in an inexpensive and very accessible environment. So I can learn with others all around the world. I can do experiments which are usually too difficult um, or too expensive or too dangerous um, to set up. And this is something where I see like those game-like environments um, super interesting. And the, the third aspect is certainly motivation. If we look at games like Minecraft, they are so educational. Um, yeah. So so many people are getting um um, inspired to learn about computer science um, when they when they work with Minecraft, and here we 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 are really onto something because we can engage people to learn in a playful way and having even fun doing that. Yeah, um, and I fully agree with what you just said, and also the uh, the aspect of the metaverse, especially if you think about, like you said, virtual worlds, right? I mean, it's just uh, we're just getting another term there. But basically, if you look at these virtual worlds and, and big gaming like Roblox, for example, 250 million monthly users. And a lot of folks like just think, oh, this is just a game, right? Like Roblox a game. Uh, actually, it's a low-code, no-code platform. You can build your own kind of experiences in it. And a bunch of companies did that. Um, we also created our own little reply world in Roblox. And, you know, it's, it's fun for engaging with internal communication. You know, we have an international team spread across all the globe. And uh, it's, it's pretty awesome that we can connect in a different way than just having to use online meeting tools like, you know, Teams, Zoom, what have you, WebEx and so on. But actually, you know, although you see the other folks as 3D avatars, you still feel much more connected with them. And because you're also doing that on a different level which has some gamified experiences with it. So it's more, it's a, it's a better bonding, I think. And it's also a good way to uh, maintain and keep knowledge 
I also remember in a previous episode of Meta Minutes, I interviewed the CEO of XOR Global, and they're doing some pretty amazing stuff. I'm not sure if you heard about it, but basically, XOR Global, um, they're bringing uh, virtual reality trainings to developing countries. And I was wondering, I was wondering, like, what? Like VR, like in, in the desert or like in, in certain places where they might not even have electricity. And a lot of people might think about it. And uh, I had a lot of click moments when I talked uh, with Joseph uh, about this. And it was pretty impressive. For example, they, they bring um, self-contained devices that yeah. even have a SIM card built in. And so you might not have an internet landline, but you might have, you know, mobile phone service. So you can connect there. Or they even bring these, um, you know, these, uh, what is it, Starlink, like these, these satellite internet dishes there, and then they can, can use that to connect uh, for each, uh, with each other. And they use it actually to bring even, um, you know, education, for, like school education there to a village, for example, where there's not enough people, not enough kids to actually have a school there. And they would have to walk like the whole day, pretty much like two or three hours one way. And to actually attend the school. So they're not doing that. So, But they can bring these VR devices. And of course, they're not going to sit there the whole day with a VR device, right? But they will do some very dedicated sessions, like one, two hours, depends. And then they can also share the devices with some other folks. And this is really amazing. And I think this is a big opportunity to, uh, you know, like the internet democratized knowledge sharing for sure, mm. right? And this is the next level, I think, we're, we're entering here. What is your thought on that? Yeah, absolutely. So I see so much. I, I don't think necessarily we would need internet for many of the uh, applications, but making education accessible. This was always like also my, my goal when I started developing my first applications there, because um, my first inspiration was uh, when I saw how physics is taught at MIT. So I did my master thesis back then at MIT. And then I was always inspired by physics and interested in physics, but I... Um, during school, we did not do a single physics experiment. Um, so this was something which where I was almost jealous when I saw other people doing fun experiments because when I was a child, I was so, so interested in, in this field. Um, and then I, when I was at MIT, and I saw those labs. So they have a physics lab um, where, where just at the place where they um, would sit together in, in groups of three to nine people around um, those desktop experiments, um, and the, only the rooms around that would cost, I think, about 1.8 or 1, 1, 1 point something million dollar. So this is this is ridiculously expensive. And when I saw that, I was honestly, I was just jealous because I thought, okay, this is MIT, like one of the, yeah, I mean, they can afford it, um, but probably not a lot of universities nor schools um, all around the world will ever be able to afford something like this. And that this was a little bit the idea to bring this all into a worldless space that everyone, whether they can afford it or maybe cannot uh, go to places. Um, maybe it's also a, a, a topic around accessibility to eventually include people who would not be able mm -hmm. at all to, to, to go to labs or anything um, like this. Um, so this is something which, which I find so important for the future of education. I would not... I would not, however, try to re replace things which are already here and working. So for, for instance, instance, a sim simple setup, which I can just 
to myself at home very quickly or um, very, very simple in, in, at school. I, I would not like to try to replace everything which is already working and out there, but eventually enrich our educational setup with um, experiences which are otherwise just not possible or, again, not as accessible as it could be. Yeah, uh, very good point. Like we can bring higher education with very good content to any place mm -hmm. and we can make it immersive. And that's really like, like I mean, I'm repeating myself, but, you know, teaching 3D content in 3D is just superior than teaching it on a flat paper. Yeah, and absolutely. That's, and that's that's so awesome. Um, and they can make things unseen, which are usually, uh, make things seen, which are usually unseen. So if yeah. I think, like I tend to give this example with the magnet and the coil, and all of a sudden, like I can, all the things which are usually just there in formulas, I can like visualize the field lines and understand how the yeah. force is actually working and, yeah. and the current is working instead of just like hearing, reading, or maybe having some, some, some visualizations of it. Yeah. And uh, uh, that's a good point. Actually, I saw I saw one of these um, experiments before. It was built with the HoloLens one, like was it like five six years ago or something. And the gentleman they had actually two magnets, mm -hmm. and on each magnet had a QR code for tracking or something. And then you could put these magnets together, and he of course was simulating the um, the magnetic field and showing that as an augmented reality overlay on top of the real magnets. And so exactly like you're saying, you could see the invisible magnetic field uh, with AR, and that was. Uh, a pretty, pretty impressive, I have to say, and uh, was definitely a, a good way to to teach it. Um, anyhow, let's talk also about Gen AI because this is also AI. I mean, all over the place, and especially generative mm -hmm. AI is is a big, big. Well, you might say hype topic, but there's surely substance in it. And I think now, like if you look at the news, like some you know, user numbers going a little bit down for these LLMs for large language model usage and so on. But I think it's just normal. You know, in the beginning, there's this hype and now it's exactly right. Yeah, like the right. hype. And now we're getting in this more sustainable mode, I think. Um, but again, also in the previous episode of Meta Minutes, I talked with Emmanuel de Maestre and he's the co-founder and CEO of Scenario. And they are making some pretty impressive stuff. Um, this company is uh, creating tools and also APIs where you can create style-consistent game assets with the help of text-to-image models. And that's pretty cool. So you can, for example, you, you need, let's say you're creating a 2D ISO game or something, and you need game assets, but you need to, of course, have a consistent style. And what you can do with, with their tooling is you can upload a bunch of your artistic images that you created or an art, artist created. You can upload those and basically train your custom text-to-image model. And then if you then prompt it, it will actually always follow the style you trained it with. And so you keep it style consistent, which is pretty, pretty amazing. Um, what is your thought on it? Do you think this will be more relevant in the future for game development? And do you agree that it will make also game development maybe more approachable for everyone, right? Not everyone is an artist. And last, last question for this one. Are you actually also leveraging that for your games or with your students and so on? Mm -hmm. Um, that's a very good question. Interesting question. I mean, of course, AI is already super relevant for, for games. Um, it, 
um, I, I think especially like generative AI, this is something where we um, are all very interested in, not only for images, but also, maybe not, of course, for the coding. Unity just um, gave away uh, beta features um, to incorporate AI features in, in, into the task. I mean, Photoshop, um, every bigger company is already trying to really include it directly into their uh, into the asset production process. It, uh, it, it will... Um, enable a lot of shortcuts. Um, what I would be always very careful about, however, it should and probably will not take away any creative processes, however. So we can, um, because, because many people are a little bit scared because we have already so many uh, games being produced uh, because game making is already so easy. With tools like Unity or Game Maker, um, you almost need no programming skills anymore. You can work with a lot of free assets out there. Now the asset um, generation will be easier. Um, but I think it's always important to underline that the good games, which then make it also to the market or should make it to the market or will be successful, um, are certainly the ones um, like in all the other art fields, uh, whether it's 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 writing, design, uh, um, or art itself. Um, it's always this creative thought, this um, thing which makes it unique, the unique selling point, basically, and one more more creative feature which makes it stand out compared to other games. So it will not be that game making will be all of a sudden like super easy. You still have to be have a brilliant idea. You have to have a, a good concept and a good team eventually work, working on it um, because again it's not only art there is the good story behind it there might be um, might be a good story behind it um, there is the environment creation and so on and so forth so it, it, it's still a, a very interdisciplinary field but um, of course AI will give us a lot of shortcuts and it's um, considered I tend to, if I think of future technologies, I always look into the games industry to see whether this might be something which will be there for long, uh, which might be changing things. And we can certainly see, I mean, in, we saw it at NFTs, the game industry stepped back very, very fast um, from, from NFTs. And for, for AI, however, we can really see a, not only a hype, but, but be being... Um, put into our standard software already very, very fast. Um, so this is here to stay. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I mean, the uh, the interesting aspect, it is a tool, right? And you still, you, need, you still need a creative human to drive these tools, right? And I, I sometimes I hear this quote, and also a friend of mine, um, Patricia, she's an artist. Like uh, she makes sculptures and, and all of that, like, you know, painter and, and all of the good stuff. She's also looking into Unity and also looking into using text to image tools. And I can tell you, she surely makes much, much better images than I could ever do because she's an artist. She mm -hmm. has this eye, you know, she has that also the education, the knowledge and so on. So it's, again, just another tool in the tool belt of an artist. Exactly. And it's not going to replace artists. It's also not going to replace game developers and so on. Um, but we can maybe be more productive and you can have a smaller team that gets things done in a way that would be impossible just a few years ago, right? And that's the exciting thing here. Absolutely. And I mean, there's this one quote which I read somewhere um, that 
sort of where did we go wrong because um we were always hoping that the robots will start um clean our houses but instead we are cleaning the houses and ai is uh, doing our poetry and then doing our art these days so something went wrong and eventually <laughs> yes 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 that's it that's a very good good uh, end quote here if you will uh, but yeah making ai embodied is still the big challenge is like you know getting that to robotics we're actually working on that quite a bit uh, we're also partnering with boston dynamics and the spot robot and we're working on that making that autonomous in fact that the recent conference or recent internal conference we actually have shown this where you can command the spot robot and just give it a natural language command and it was cleaning up we said to to the robot Spot, take the <laughs> take the the can, the like the soda can, and throw it into the trash bin, and then it picked it up with the grabber arm, squeezed it even, and then throwed it into the trash can. I mean, still a long way to go until we can tell. Make me a coffee. <laughs> that is the grand. All challenge. fingers crossed for that progress. <laughs> yeah, this is the grand challenge, right? It's not the Turing test; it's the coffee making test. <laughs> All right. Uh, it was so good to talk with you, but unfortunately, we're already at the end here. We want to keep it short and approachable for everyone. So thank you so much, Johanna, for staying with us today and sharing your insights. That was very insightful and very much appreciated. Thanks so much for the invitation. Well, and thanks everyone for joining us for Meta Minutes, your bite-sized pieces of the Metaverse. Um, watch our blog, follow our social media, and of course, subscribe to our Reply podcast on your favorite podcast platform. Do not miss any episode. And of course, you can watch all the previous episodes at any time on reply.com. Take care and see you soon. Bye-bye.